I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. This is the ASMR section of the podcast. So gross. I know. I can't. Like, even if it helped me sleep, like, at what cost? <laughs> no, 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 no. The thing that I have found that is, like, soothing in a similar genre is soundscapes. Oh, really? So one thing that I found is, like, you type in, like, Harry Potter soundscape, and there are versions that'll be, like, the Gryffindor common room. So it's, like, a crackling fire sound and, like, mild owl hoots and, like, very nice. It's really nice. Okay, that's fine. It's Like, really there's nice. ambient but noise. But it's not somebody that's, like, in book two. <laughs> Sort of Gryffindor. Uh, you know what I just realized about myself and I'm very upset? You know who I would have 100% had a giant ass crush on? Ooh. Fucking Tom Riddle. Oh, easily. I'm so upset. I, and I also don't like Ginny Weasley that much. Like, I, I like Ginny Weasley, but it's like, why you gotta date Harry Potter? Like, that dude sucks. Well, yes, I do think you would have dated... <laughs> Tom Riddle. I also would have fallen under the spell of his enchanted diary. Oh, easy. Like, if anything, that would have made me like him more. I'd be like, oh, you got an enchanted diary? Oh, shit, girl. Oh, shit. <laughs> I just got a regular diary. But uh, do you want to like it together? <laughs> and Here's the thing. Twitter is our enchanted diary in that we throw our thoughts in it and get weird, like, sometimes toxic thoughts back. Like... <laughs> We're all living in Chamber of Secrets. And that I can is, say that... That is terrifying. I can say that confidently uh, as somebody who J.K. Rowling noticed for a second on Twitter the other day. So anyway, I'm very famous. All right, I was so excited for you yeah, by that, too. by the way. I'm riding that high. All right, let's get to the show. Before we do, we've got some housekeeping things to take care of. Thank you, everybody, for following us on Facebook, which is Facebook.com. Face.com? Face.com. Does anybody have the (laughs) URL for Face.com? If not, we just made you a lot of money. (laughs) Buy it. Um, No, Facebook.com slash Red All Over Podcast. Face.com. Serving only one thing. Face. And uh, we're also on Twitter. Kelly's on Twitter at Kelly Anakin. And Molly's on Twitter at Serious Molly. But we're also having a Venmo presence where people send us Venmo for presents. Um, uh, Your Venmo presents are presents enough. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we're Venmo.com slash Red All Over. Nice. And some people have been nice enough to send us some money since our last episode, which is great because we needed funds to settle a bet. We did indeed need funds to settle a bet, which you will hear about in a minute. We'll like pout in the corner. <laughs> All right. So the people who donated to our Venmo since we last recorded are Lisa Harkins. Thank you for recognizing that it was the same suit in both uh, instances in the parent trap. Devin Merkins. Are you shirtkins about that? I am. Miranda Hester, longtime listener. We love you, Miranda. Alyssa Marie, hat to see you go. Love watching you leave. Rachel O'Connor Cook, can you smell what Rachel O'Connor is cooking? I can. It's something delicious. 
Emily Silber, Silber, I barely knew her, and Danielle Gastineau of the Rhode Island Gastineaus. <laughs> JK, I don't know where you're from, Danielle, but if you're there, you are glowing up the damn joint. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for uh, donating to us on Venmo, and thanks everybody else for participating in our Facebook community. Thank you everybody who's talking to us on Twitter. Gonna do a quick... What's Twitter? Twitter. Is that the companion to face.com? Yes. Twitter and face.com. Two great sites. Just want to shout out to a listener, M. Holguin, who tweeted us something nice recently. So thanks a lot. I want to shout out listener Kaylin, who I saw in real life. And (gasps) she listens to us. And I wanted to bring her up before because... She falls asleep to us, oh my God. which I think is so funny because we are so loud and We're obnoxious. So loud. She was like, "I've fallen asleep to you before," <laughs> and I was like, "Like, are you a wizard?" Because like that seems amazing to me. Wanna, I'm very loud. I want to sing her a little song. Good night, little Kaylin. Good night. The end. <laughs> That's it. That was little. Yep. It was All quite right. a little song. I never promised you a long lullaby. Twinkle, twinkle, little song. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get into it today. Today we're doing the first episode of The Gal's Guide to Gilead. And if it sounds different, it is because <laughs> I got a new couch. In part, thanks to your Venmo presence. Yay. And I have my feet up on the couch. We could not do this before. No. Because all we had... Was a love seat. And while we did enjoy the snuggles, mm-hmm. we did snuggle quite a lot. We did snuggle quite a lot. But yeah, oh man, I'm so relaxed. It's great. So thanks. I'm again. far enough away from you that I could fart without disrupting the whole podcast. Uh, I am living proof that you can do that. <laughs> Let's just say. You uh, smelled it here first, folks. So The Gal's Guide to Gilead is the series that we conceived of where we're trying to take like a really encyclopedia-esque look to all things Handmaid's Tale. Would you say we're taking an Encyclopedia Brown-esque look? I would not because I don't like those books. Oh my god. You know what? Like, A, I loved them as a child. If I went back and read them now, I'd be like, what a little asshole. (laughs) That was B. C, I also would have had a crush on Encyclopedia Brown. Let's see. I would have had a crush on Arthur. (laughs) I would have had a crush on horrible harry oh um i would have had a crush on um the brain and arthur oh oh my god he was so smart he was very smart but he was like a grown-ass man hanging out with all of those guys so what? whatever what are you talking about he just looked way more mature than all well yeah just because he was the smartest one molly sorry not all capybaras but the brain <laughs> let's get into it so what we did was we picked a topic today and we deep dove into research about this i read we i mean molly <laughs> molly did 125 percent of this research i looked at one question and i was like i think this is the answer even though it says very clearly at the beginning of the google doc cite your sources thoroughly <laughs> oh bitch did you not cite your source i'm gonna be so mad i didn't even 
didn't write anything okay. down. All okay. I did was when you came over, I was like, hey, this is what I think. <laughs> so I reread most of the book, meaning that for you guys, I was on vacation in beautiful Austin, Texas, surrounded by beauty and cocktails and love. And I was like, nah, I got to read this dystopian well, fiction. Well, you know, when in Texas, it's best not to get too far from dystopia. <laughs> So I reread a good portion of the book. I researched some interviews. I went into the very cool, very extensive uh, Wikipedia page. And I'm ready to dive in. What's our topic today, Kelly? Our topic today is drumroll, please. Handmaids. You may have seen them in such (laughs) books and TV shows as The Handmaid's Tale. Uh Also, such movies as The Handmaid's Tale. Not the movie The Handmaiden. That's a totally different thing. But people still get it confused. Don't call them handmaidens. They're handmaids because they got it made in the shade. Not... (laughs) Yeah, they really don't. I mean, their hats are large. Very shady. So we asked a while ago on our Facebook page what questions you guys had about Handmaid's, and y'all gave us a lot that wasn't Handmaid's Tale related. We Um, mean Handmaid related. Handmaid related. Uh, But um, we tried to collect those questions and collect questions that we had had. And let's dive right in. Do you want to just go question by question? Yeah, let's just go question by question. Okay, I'll take the lead here. So the first, I think, most basic question, apart from, and I don't think we need to super touch on this because I think we've touched on it several episodes, is like, why are they called handmaids? We get it. But the most prevalent question that I feel like we're still getting is, who's made a handmaid and what are the qualifications? So I have two sources to cite from this thoroughly thoroughly so one is actually comes from the uh the news article that started it all as far as red all over goes so there was a new york times article published in 2017 i think which is um margaret atwood comments on a handmaid's tale in the age of trump God, were we ever so young? (laughs) I think this is the article I was reading in the Las Vegas bathroom when I texted you that we should start a podcast. Aw, on the can. On the can. So this is what Maggie Atz herself says uh, is the definition of a handmaid. I'm going to read it in her voice as well. Under totalitarianisms, or indeed in any sharply hierarchical society, the ruling class monopolizes valuable things, so the elite of the regime arrange to have fertile females assigned to them as handmaids. The biblical precedent of this story is the story of Jacob and his two wives, Rachel and Leah, and their two handmaids. One man, four women, twelve sons. But the handmaids don't claim the sons. They belong to their respective wives. So according to Maggie Atz, it's fertile. And then according to the Handmaid's Tale Wikipedia page, which is very extensive and really cool, uh, the definition of handmaid includes this. From Wikipedia, the law includes both gender crimes, such as lesbianism, and religious crimes, such as adultery redefined to include sexual relationships with divorce partners since divorce is no longer legal. Sum this all up. It sounds like if you're a fertile woman, a queer woman, a woman who's been divorced, uh, or a woman who's committed adultery, you're a handmaid. So I guess the only person that that kind of leaves out is like if you are just a fertile single lady not doing anything. I think they just scoop you up. All the fertile ladies. All the fertile ladies. (laughs) Now put your wombs up. So. If you like it, you should have put a Nuva ring in it. If you like it, you should have put a Nuva ring in it. Uh, uh, uh. Exactly. Uh, uh, oh, indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's who the handmaids are, uh, according to those two sources. 
How long, this is question two, numero dos, mm-hmm. how long is the duration of each term? So book offred, the passive offred, mentions that it's been three years since she became a handmaid and the Waterfords are her third posting. So we're not great at math, but that <laughs> seems to indicate that the duration of a stay with any particular family is one year give or take time spent in the red center. Right. We're citing our sources here because I really just want to do that because I'm a nerd. Okay, so on page 15 of the uh, trade paperback version, uh, Offred is talking to Serena Joy. Serena Joy says, this is your second posting, isn't it? And Offred says, third, ma'am. So we know that to be her third. And then to get a sense of the time on page 64 of the same version... Uh, They're talking about how Hannah was five when she was abducted and almost towards the end of the page, it says eight. She must be now. I filled in the time I lost. I know how much time there's been. So Gilead, uh, June has been abducted for three years. There you go. In the book, in the show. Who knows? Who knows? Because like Hannah is not that much older Mm -hmm. than she was in... You know, the initial scene where they're in the car. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Because it's just, it's very, look, it's hard to work with children. See Thrones, comma, game of. Um, <laughs> I'm citing my sources thoroughly. Thank you. Good girl. Show timeline gets a little wonky. I'm not even sure if it says in the show if Offred has had a posting before. Yeah. I don't remember. I feel like, yes. We had this like non conclusive conversation before i know so that's the only if i can make myself rewatch the show in the off season i will do that sorry that's the hole in our research is neither of us had time to like completely rewatch the show yeah if we didn't have jobs maybe we would but uh so yeah as far as Mm. the book says each term is about a year all right what happens to handmaids who give birth what happens what happened (laughs) (laughs) from the wikipedia article It says, handmaids who successfully bear children continue to live at their commander's house until the children are weaned, at which point they are sent on a new assignment. Those who do produce children, however, will never be declared unwoman or sent to the colonies, even if they never have another baby. So this is strictly book logic and i feel like i could cite the page yeah i was gonna i was gonna say uh the source is not cited thoroughly here all right <laughs> give me two shakes i just just read it. saying oh, okay. Sorry. oh oh okay. did so- you make a rule that you're not adhering to commander molly bitch i have it <laughs> i have it it's on oh no that's a transitional never mind Hold a on. transitional handmade yeah. What would that involve? I don't like to think about that. <laughs> Hold, please. Here we go. So the official citation from the book is again page 127 in the trade paperback and it talks about the fate of janine after she gives birth to angela goes she'll be allowed to nurse the baby for a few months they believe in mother's milk after that she'll be transferred to see if she can do it again with someone else who needs a turn but she'll never be sent to the colonies she'll never be declared unwoman that is her reward okay 
So the book con- corroborates with the Wikipedia page, but we know from watching the show and that doesn't happen. <laughs> they yeah. kind of are fast and loose with who goes to the colonies, who comes back from the colonies. I mean, also, everybody on the show is way more out of pocket oh, than yeah. everybody in the book. Everybody in the book is like, uh, we're trying to stay alive. I know. In rereading the book since watching so much of the show, especially since the show goes so far beyond the plot of the book, I'm just remembering the sense of fear I have when I read the book that I don't quite have in the TV show. I think it's really it's really difficult because it is inherent in the form, mm-hmm. the form of the media, because in TV, mm-hmm. because it's episodic in that way, Everything has to be fine at the end of an episode. Like, even if it's a cliffhanger, like, even if it's, like, there's always this stasis that you have to come back to that, for whatever reason, like, even in serialized novels, I feel like, or, you know, there's obviously chapter breaks in The Handmaid's Tale, but it's not, like, because there's this necessary sense of completion Mm -hmm. or return to what we understand. Yeah. So... Yeah. Your uh, the experience is so different. Well, but then again, I mean the book exists for a predetermined amount of time. Right. And the show uh 10 <laughs> seasons in a movie, a eh, Bruce? Nope. Hashtag- a hey, Bruce 10 seasons? Hashtag #3 seasons and no more for the love of god. <laughs> Question number 4. Lucky 4. Nobody has ever said 4 is a lucky number. Why do they wear what they wear? So on page 8 of what I assume is the trade paperback. Can we assume from now all on all citations <laughs> going forward are from the trade paperback? Though I'd love a mass market copy just because mass market is my favorite size of book. I do have one on the bookshelf, do. but it would be a challenge to like yeah, no do, the, do the calculations here really quickly. Listen, we're good. We're not that good. <laughs> so on page eight, red is the color of blood. It defines us. Now, we also have from the self-same New York Times article that started it all. Yeah, she has a whole paragraph about this. And I think you can go ahead and read it all if you don't want. The modesty costumes worn by the women of Gilead are derived from Western religious iconography. The wives wear the blue of purity from the Virgin Mary. The handmaids wear red from the blood of parturition, but also from Mary Magdalene. Also, red is easier to see if you happen to be fleeing. (laughs) The wives of men lower in the social scale are called econo-wives and wear stripes. I must confess that the face-hiding bonnets came not only (laughs) from mid-Victorian costume and from nuns, but from the old Dutch cleanser package of the 1940s, get it, (gasps) which showed a woman with her face hidden and which frightened me as a child. Many totalitarianisms have used clothing, both forbidden and enforced, to identify and control people. Think of yellow stars and Roman purple. And many have ruled behind a religious front. It makes the creation of heretics that much easier. Here, have a cracky. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) And just for funsies, I looked up what part... I'm assuming that means menstruation. Close. Parturition means natural childbirth, labor and childbirth without medical intervention. Gross. Yes. But good. That's so interesting. I don't know that we had ever drawn the Mary Magdalene parallel on our own. So that's really neat to know. You know what's weird is like I feel like I've known it all along, you know, like at the end of The Wizard of Oz. Because it's like, oh, because, you know, 
she has this reputation of being this fallen woman, which is false. Like there's nothing in the Bible that says Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Just some fucking dudes were like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like Jesus hung out with a prostitute? Like, hey, let's make it so priests can't have sex and that Jesus hung out with a prostitute. Like, you know, church over. <laughs> <laughs> let's get a brewski. Which brings us to the present day. Oh. Wink. <laughs> uh, so I like that. I like the sort of very virginal. It's interesting that the wives are associated with a virgin because there's certainly a version of the wives that we've seen where they're not allowed to have sex. And they mm-hmm. certainly, they have children, but not through sex. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? That's great. I mean, yeah. it's not great. I mean, it's not. Uh, <laughs> From a symbolic perspective. <laughs> Great job, Maggie Hats. Something just fun to note that where the book differs from the TV show is I'm noticing in the book, the Econo people are said to wear clothes with stripes of red, blue, and white. Which so is ugly. Like, they are walking around like birthday clowns <laughs> up in Gilead. <laughs> like, they're just popping around, having just, sex with their husbands. They just pull hankies out of their arm. <laughs> their arm out of their sleeve you know that old trick where you pull a hanky out of your arm oh yeah (laughs) i've done it so that is a funny difference as well maybe we'll do an econo wives section but i still feel like we don't know that much about. oh yeah that is worth mentioning here is that we said series yeah it may just be (laughs) a little duo or a little trio because there may not actually be all that much deep information Which we were discussing. And I mean, it is called The Handmaid's Tale. We have the most information mm-hmm. about handmaids and their whole jam. Yeah. In taking notes for this, I, I've we've kept this Google Doc open and I'm trying to like fill in other questions that are answered as I'm rereading the book. The only other section I filled out to any degree of the only one I filled out a lot is miscellaneous Gilead questions. <laughs> Uh, so we might just do this one and then maybe a two-parter on Gilead. I don't really know, but... Miss Lainey Gilead, <laughs> you're the next episode. <laughs> I don't know why I just wanted to sing something it. to the tune of that song. I love it. Next question we got on our Facebook page was, who makes their clothes? Great uh, question. Gucci, Gucci. Michael Kors. Hello. Couldn't get Michael Kors if you were the handmaid of Michael Kors. Versace. <laughs> all kinds of Calvin things. Klein. It's written all over there. <laughs> that would be funny if one handmaid turned around and there's like an Aeropostale logo. <laughs> it would be fucking Shannon. Uh, sh- Sorry, I only get my handmaid's tail outfits from Aeropostale. Um, I had a gift card. <laughs> okay, it's my birthday (laughs) so we um don't really get a hard answer of like who is actually working in these places but we do know from page 24 of the book that in the downtown area there quote is the store where we order dresses some people call them habits a good word for them habits are hard to break lol get it (laughs) oh book off red your jokes suck it's so funny because there's so many instances of that and it's like Maggie Atz is putting so many of them in it. It's clearly a motif. But some of them it's like, babe, why? She's like, chair. Chair is a thing you sit on. Chair is ahead of a 
of a head of a group. Chair is the first syllable of this French word. It's like, It reminds me of, this is like old school Family Guy before they rebooted it, but when it was like Stephen King, like pitching to his editor, and he was like out of ideas, and he was like, it's a... It's a lamp, and it's evil. Ooh, scary. <laughs> Question number six. Can they have hobbies? <laughs> nah. Page 69. A69, bro. Get it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this episode is so much more funner than when people keep getting raped all the time. Oh, my God. You would not believe what no sexual violence does to the levity. <laughs> It increases. Uh, it really does. I okay. think people would believe that. Yeah. So page 69, it's uh, Offred waiting for the first ceremony to happen. And she goes, if I only could embroider, weave, knit, something to do with my hands. I want a cigarette. Oof, she me too, BB. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but this this one has this page, uh, in addition to telling us that uh, handmaids aren't really allowed to have hobbies like the wives are uh it includes my f- one of my favorite lines from the whole book which is but maybe boredom is erotic when women do it for men <sighs> mm. through this book i am just reminded there are so many tasty morsels of prose that i just forgot about based that- on my own personal experience <laughs> it is it is yeah <laughs> they love it so yeah no that's hobbies. why they keep talking <laughs> 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 seriously like i've been on some dates and there's a line I love in the play Much Ado About Nothing where Beatrice says to Benedict, I wonder you will still be talking, Senior Benedict. Nobody marks you. Like, I should just put that on my Tinder profile. Yeah. And if somebody messages me, I'll be like, read it, though. <laughs> Emojis only. <laughs> I love that. I love that thing that's like people who are like Hamlet verse four, section two. And it's just no. <laughs> it's really great um okay so the next question is i think this is my turn even though i keep kind of hopping in on your question it's totally fine okay let me just interrupt you (laughs) um Um, so yes okay so question seven this is my question uh and i think some other people echoed this but what's the end game is it to keep having handmaids forever or is it to eventually get regular people's fertility back to normal? All right. So uh, from what I've been reading, it seems like the goal is to keep going until there's no need and until fertility is kind of back on track. I read this uh, from page 117. And this is Aunt Lydia talking to the prospective handmaids in the Red Center. And she goes... <clears throat> You are a transitional generation, said Aunt Lydia. It is the hardest for you. We know the sacrifices you are being expected to make. It is hard when men revile you. For the ones who come after you, it will be easy. It will be easier. They will accept their duties with willing hearts. (laughs) She did not say because they will have no memories of any other way. She said because they won't want things they can't have. Oh, Yes, but also, I don't feel like men reviling them is the problem that the handmaids have. <laughs> like, they're not like, 99 problems, men reviling them ain't one. No, like, none of the handmaids are like, why didn't Peter hold my hand during? <laughs> Be quiet of Peter, he just doesn't, he's not that into you. <laughs> 
Yeah. He misses the first of Peter. There are a couple of lines of text that are in this book that I'm just like, wait, what? And and I still don't know the answer to one such example. And this is taking us off topic a little bit. And I don't remember if we talked about this. Let in- me just interrupt you. Uh- <laughs> Brat. Wow. I'm being bullied. Please send $5 to Patreon so I can leave this abusive relationship. <laughs> She'll give me three fifty of it. She won't. She loves the, the downloads too much. <laughs> She'll never leave. I won't. <laughs> but there's a part in this is a tangent. But there's a part in the very first page of the book, and um, they give you a lot of quotes to preface this book. One is from Genesis, which kind of explains the conceit of handmaids. One is from Jonathan Swift, which is hilarious. I love Jonathan Swift. And then there's this one that I'm sure we talked about in book recaps, but I'm still stuck on it. And I wonder, I just want to throw it out there to see if anybody has an interpretation of this. The last quote on the first page is in the desert. There is no sign that says thou shalt not eat stones. And it's a Sufi proverb. Mm. Too many read on that i don't know anything about sufism me neither in the desert there is no sign that says, says thou shalt not eat stones right which i assume means that like when you're in a place where it's so assumed that something is the rule they don't have to tell you that it's the rule i mean but i don't know how that applies <laughs> You know, I guess it means if you're in the desert and you want to eat a stone, yeah. it's a fucking party. Oh, it's no man's land. You can eat all the stones. Yeah. You want. Like, I don't know. Like, damn. I'm going to have to, like, look Hook that on up that. on the internet. Uh, redheads, let us know what you think about that Sufi. Yeah, father. and uh, send us a copy of Stone Soup. Yeah. <laughs> or a Cold Stone gift certificate. That'll Ooh. suffice. Or a Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just send him to my house. <laughs> I got a great couch for him to sleep on Absolutely. now. So that's the answer. Sorry, going back, that's the answer is In yes. the desert, there is no sign that says thou shalt not eat stones. I don't get it. That's great. Like, I can't even. I almost... And I have, like, really good critical thinking skills. <laughs> yeah, you sure do, babe. Uh, God damn it, Molly. <laughs> I um so yeah so to answer what's the end game I think it's just to keep having handmaids until they don't need them anymore and hopefully the next generation it'll be easier for them because they won't have a sense of freedom like these yeah free will and, and I mean do. I really do think I mean I think the point is to rebound fertility and I mean again when we know from the book and the show the goal is still for husbands and wives to have children together so right when that's possible they're gonna do that. Yes, and there is a passage in The Handmaid's Tale that talks specifically about when wives and commanders have sex, but we'll leave that for yeah. the next episode. Um, um, and actually, this this leads nicely into the next question, number eight. What happens to the children of handmaids? Is someone keeping track to make sure they don't accidentally pair off with their half-siblings? Ooh! This is, this is speculation. Once again, speaking of thrones, comma, game of... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this one I could not find an answer so to. So this is Molly's educated guess uh, that since the opposition has great filing systems. Uh, Gilead would too. And then Whitford, you know, he had a file on Emily. Mm-hmm. So he was able to pull up a dossier and see what was going on with her. So Molly's esteemed opinion is that they would say that they keep tabs on Handmaid's Kids based on that. But it could get dicey mm-hmm. with so many people sexing doctors and drivers. My name is Kelly and I'm a silly pants. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Why would cite you- your source thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> Page 83. Mm, would be cool if it was 82. My birth year. But that is fine. 
Oh, it's 82 now. Uh, this Listen. is what happens when you have a Google Doc that you're referring to. Fun with Google Docs. We're like a Google Docs commercial right now. We should be. Anyway, so I saw somebody post this theory on Twitter, and I have tried to get to the bottom of it, but she like she posted this theory and then was like, I'm not on Twitter anymore. And I was like, why? She said that because Hannah was in a pink dress, that marked her as a handmaid in training. I do not think that is true or supported. Okay. Anyway, so she said that that's what she thinks, but I don't think that's true because I feel like for whatever faults Gilead has, and they have a lot, like they're not going to sentence a child to being a handmaid just because her mom was a handmaid. Yeah. And that, you know, kind of would put the lie to what is admittedly speculation that we do think they're trying to get to a point where birth rates come back up to normal. Yeah, I think so too. And in the book, uh, I can't cite my source here because I didn't think it would be relevant, but it is. In the book, they mentioned that the children were white. Yes. So to me, this pink is just like a white didn't look good on screen. Yeah. And I mean, especially and we, with all the bold colors, like to me, it makes more sense. We saw Eden. In her wedding dress, which we know from the book, the, you know, young women wore white. I think they wore white. Yeah, because they wore white all the time and then they were wearing it at their weddings. I wish we had paid more attention to her sister and looked and saw what she was wearing. I know. Because maybe Econo children wear gray and, you know, fancy children wear pink. It also doesn't answer the question that some people have posed on our Facebook page is like, are the children of this second generation of Gilead all girls or... So we don't know the answer to that. (laughs) This is another one I don't have a concrete answer for. And I was not able to find anything in the book about this. It's in the epilogue. Oh, it is? Yeah, but... Oh, yes, I have it. I have it. (laughs) I do have it. Yes. Okay, here. Actually, I do have it. Strike that. (laughs) You fucking bitch. Is that the funniest thing you've ever... All right, listen, I'm not going to edit this out. So Molly did this to fuck with me. Once again, the levity, it's high. So there is a picture from the internet. Uh, Lindsay Lohan posted it with the caption. It's, It's a selfie of herself, first of all. Just her on a boat in Mykonos. It says, R.I.P. John McCain. Feel better, XOXO. Smooch emoji, praying hands emoji. Like, fucking what? It's my favorite picture I've ever done. <laughs> I sent it to a lot of people after you sent it to me. <laughs> I forgot I already showed it to you. Because well, you sent it to me with like the, te- like, it was like a, a it ar- had already become a meme that was like, somebody needs to yeah. tell Lindsay Lohan you can't feel better from dying. <laughs> so guys, feel better. But, but you um, know what? Also, she looks amazing. She's doing it. She's having a great time. She's like, dancing. I don't know. She like stopped doing coke like right before her septum deviated. But like her nose looks nice. Her cheek implants. You know what? You know what? It's she's a miracle great. she survived. She's great. Get That's better. what I'm gonna say. Feel better, Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> anyway, R.I.P. So the answer can be found on. <sighs> The answer to other countries' fertility in the book can be found on page 377 through 380. Uh, and it's sort of the the educational academic conference. Is it Professor Piotto? 
Probably. He talks an awful lot. Ugh. They I talk. wonder he was still be talking, Senor Piotto. <laughs> Nobody marks you. Kidding. Everybody marks him, and then they're going to go cosplay Gilead. <laughs> so the book says, but whatever the causes, the effects of infertility were noticeable, and the Gilead regime was not the only one to react to them at the time. Romania, for instance, had anticipated Gilead in the 80s by banning all forms of birth control. And vampires. <laughs> imposing compulsory pregnancy tests on female population and linking promotion and wages to fertility. So in the book, at least, they make mention of Romania and make, uh, you know, mention that maybe other countries are feeling it. In the show, it seems like Mexico is having hard time. Uh, but Canada, we saw kids there, so... Well, it's because infertility travels downstream. True, true, true. <laughs> and if you're on top, you can't get pregnant. <laughs> Don't follow that advice, right? Yeah, that's underwater, you can't get pregnant. True. Um, if it's your first time, you can't get pregnant. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just trying to think of other, like, pregnancy <laughs> myths. Um, if you don't want to get pregnant, you won't get pregnant. Sure. <laughs> At any rate, so yeah, and you mentioned this in your notes. Like, nobody in Canada seems like they're tripping in the show. Yeah. They all seem fine, right? They're all just like, we don't like you. Yeah, and I'd, it'd be interesting to see the like world building that happens in Canada in season three because I just have no idea what their deal is. Yeah, you know, the more I think about it, the more I wish we had gotten some of that in season two. Like, as we all know, I hated the episode with the flashbacks to Odette and like just how tacked on that felt when they, there could have been this really interesting (laughs) portrait of their lives because like when we saw all the refugees like hanging out and like singing and, you know, dealing with the state visit. Yeah. Like that's compelling or even like, even just Luke and Moira and shooting the shit in their apartment. It's like we are this generation of Americans Mm -hmm. who has no idea what like fucking hardship is. Yeah. On any kind of like, you know, military socioeconomic level. This is like a broad generalization, but like you understand what I what I mean. Like I we've never had to have a fucking victory garden. We don't even have to wait until October for pumpkin spice lattes anymore. We don't. Like we don't have any idea what right. a life that isn't everything we want it to be mm-hmm. can you know, and again, that varies depending on your socioeconomic station right. and all that kind of thing. But, but it's just generally like, the the country of America has not really been like under siege. Mm-hmm. I was gonna be like since the Civil War, but like I don't even know that that's true. Yeah, um, I'm very think. bad at knowing facts. That's really <laughs> what I used to outsource to Amy Schneider for, and she's not here. <laughs> it's fine. So we have- I don't need her. I have a couch. That's right. <laughs> Okay, so the next question is, are siblings kept together when their moms become handmaids? So we think that it would make sense not to because friends are kept apart, which is on page 71. Molly, if you would, please. (laughs) On page 71, where it details Moira coming into the Red Center, it says, friendships were suspicious. We knew it. And we avoided each other during mealtime lineups in the cafeteria and in halls between classes. So... Knowing that those kind of ties could be volatile, it would make sense to me that they want to separate everybody. Well, and if the point is to 
I don't even know if convince is the right word, but like to get a child to like take to this family who are going to be their parents, like in this particular society, um, you know, because there's a lot of different ways that you could handle this, like in contemporary times in terms of like adoption and stuff. Mm -hmm. Did you fucking do something else? No, I didn't. I just saw Lindsay Lohan's face in the Google Doc and it made me laugh. Like, I can't take it. My heart. Anyway, so obviously we saw in the show Hannah remembers June yeah. and like remembers her life before, which also would indicate that it hasn't been three years to me because like she's still young enough where like her brain is mushy right. enough that mm-hmm. they could have brainwashed her in three right. years. Right. Um, yeah. I'm inclined to agree with that. It's also like if we've learned nothing from the movie Hook. Uh, you can brainwash a kid much better if they're not with their sibling who's like really gung-ho about their parents. Uh, so. Yep. I said, our mommy reads to us every night because she loves us very much. No, your mommy reads to you every night to shut you up. <laughs> I want a putty. I want a cookie. Fuck, I love Hook. Oh, uh, fuck me up, you know, we Hook. did an episode on it. On, I know. Okay. Did you listen to it? I uh, know. It was a really good time. I feel like I got all your feelings about Hook like when we drove to LA. Just That's actually a really good point. Did you know that Dante Bosco, who played Rufio, like, made a sequel? Like, I forget if it actually, it premiered somewhere. I don't know if it's online anywhere, but he, like, made a sequel about, like, an adult Rufio or something. Like, wait, I can't, girl, I don't, I don't know all the details. Girl, wait, girl, there can't be an adult Rufio. Girl, I know. (laughs) Okay. I don't make the rules. Dante Bosco does. That is what I want to be for Halloween. But also I love Dante Bosco, but the only time he was effective at voice work was when he played Prince Zuko on Avatar The Last Airbender because they had him try to do another voice for Avatar The Legend of Korra and it was not good. Mm. All right. Dante Bosco, if you listen to this podcast, please disregard that. I would like to be your friend. Yeah, same. All right. uh, So I think the last answer that we have. I'm so mad at you for this Lindsay Lohan. I'm trying to do a serious podcast. This Lindsay. Like, why? Like, why this picture? Her face does not convey any kind of sadness or condolences or even, like, she could just be, like, a very, you know, one of those, like, real dolls that looks like Lindsay Lohan. I... I just like I think it's so funny you know they have those like YouTube compilations that are like vines that cured my depression this is like <laughs> snapchat of Lindsay Lohan that cured my depression like, <laughs> I am saved I like I feel so good would you um, say you feel better <laughs> I feel so much better um okay uh give me two shakes I put the link for this and I didn't write out exactly what it meant so stand by let me interrupt you all right so record scratch <laughs> and it's not a sono sad this time oh my god <laughs> so the last question we have to answer it's just in case some people don't know it What's up with the naming convention of handmaids? So here's Maggie Att's official answer. <clears throat> when I first began The Handmaid's Tale, it was called Offred, the name of its central character. 
This name is composed of a man's first name, Fred, and a prefix denoting belongs to. So it is like D in French or Vaughn in German, or like the suffix son in English last names like Williamson. Within this name is concealed another possibility. Offered, denoting a religious offering, or a victim offered to sacrifice. See what I did there? Yeah. So, get it? It's of someone belonging to someone. Just like Lindsay Lohan is of, or was once of, Wilmer Valderrama. Um, Of Wilmer. Of Wilmer. But also of Sam Ronson. Oh, God. Get Sam Ronson and Lindsay Lohan back together. That was the best time of her life. Oh, it so was. God. And Lin... Oh, God. She's one of them real unstable cancers, Lindsay Lohan. Mm. I just, BB, I hope you're okay. She is what death is, though. Like, it's going to come up again. I I like to read it like she's making a very deep commentary on the nature of living and dying. Is like, maybe you do feel better when you die. I feel like maybe it was just like she kept hitting, like, what comes next. She was like, oh, my God. Like, what do I even say about John McCain? She was just, like, using the suggestion. Please, someone make me a v-neck t-shirt <laughs> with this picture on it size large i will wear it every day or just at least like cross stitch me someone cross stitch me a sampler that says r.i.p john mccain feel better exo i just think it is i could so use funny. it on a i could use it as a throw pillow on my couch it's the perfect pillow i think I think I'm going to bring my Aunt Lydia pillow out here. Oh, it'd be perfect. Well, because now that I'm, you know, dating again, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want very stern and dowd on my bed. Like, I already have enough pillows on my bed that gentlemen feel the need to comment. Like, they're always like, oh, you have a lot of pillows. It's like, yeah, because I'm not an animal. God, men, why are you terrible at literally everything? I do not know. Oh, my God. I will say for myself, I have my Aunt Lydia pillow on my chair at work. And she's always like scowling at me when I come back from the bathroom. Like you spent a long time in the bathroom, didn't mm. you? I don't know that I need that kind of energy. I kind of do. It kind of keeps me on task. That's so. fine. That's good. I don't want to be kept on task. <laughs> all right. So that is all of our questions and answers about handmaids. Uh, we tried to get all of your questions in. The thing about this series, though, is uh, there's genuinely not answers to some of these because the book is left vague and the show is still going on. So get it. Get it? (laughs) So we'll be back hopefully soon with some more Gilead explainers. We're going to do a Harlots episode. We're going to do a Harlots episode. I don't know why I just became that woman. I I think it works. Okay. Um, And we will not be doing a Sharp Objects episode. Absolutely not. Because Jillian Flynn can eat my poo. (laughs) Okay. I like Jillian Flynn, but I just... Who has the time? Listen... I done been a cool girl and I didn't need her demonizing that. And I'm not even thin. Okay. Like I just don't see that (laughs) sentence in it. You know, I'm like, guess what? I'm so cool. I'm so cool. I eat so many hot dogs is what I'm saying. (laughs) Isn't that what it's about? Like she eats hot dogs and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) those are the sharp objects are hot dogs. No, in fucking gone girl. Oh yeah. Yeah. The cool girl. She like eats hot dogs and drives fast. Uh, Yes. And never gets pregnant or something. True, yes. Well, she <laughs> must have been on top or in a jacuzzi, as we discussed earlier. 
Once again, please do not get actual medical advice from this podcast. We, we are, are not, not doctors. doctors. We are absolutely. And if we were, we should be disbarred. Uh, yeah, disbarred. I, I don't think that's what you do to doctors. Disemboweled. <laughs> Someone should take our little clicky stethoscope away. Malpracticed? Yeah, thrown into um, the street, I think is most apt. Defrocked. Defrocked. There it is. No, that's for priests. Oh, shit. Anyway, okay. Anyway, thank you for listening to us. We miss you. I am so excited to listen to this. I am excited to edit it. Mm. I am indeedy, Rue. And uh, take care of your girlfriends. Please, please, please call your senator and try to help defend the state of birth control and Oh abortion. my god, Brett Kavanaugh, you had the best tweet about it, which Thank was you. when's the last time a guy named Brett had women's interests at heart? Thank you so much. Oh my god. But um I funny strong- and true. Thank you, BB. Also, please don't add us with the Bretts that you like, just call your senator. Everyone who sends me a Brett has to also donate five dollars to Planned Parenthood because I'm sick of this. But um, I know this is a divisive opinion. But if you read Handmaid's Tale and are not for women's rights in all of their forms, I don't know what book you're reading, baby. Oh, did you see how Kamala Harris like flustered his ass oh. though? Oh, guess oh. who my president is? Nothing but respect. Nothing for Kamala Harris. but respect for my president, Kamala Harris. You better Kamala the fuck down, Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> We're coming for you. Anyway. All right. Take good care of your girlfriends. Take good care of fellow ladies. And as always, no lite, te bastardes, carborundorum. Did we actually know this song? Put your hands up. Nice. I'm so sorry, Beyonce. Of Jay-Z. <laughs>